My name is Bryce Wasserman, and this is Pro Lacrosse Talk. On Shriver. Snyder with scores. Now it's Pinnell scores. Hands off for Rabel. Switches hands and scores. Kylie O'Miller showing off those shifty skills. Right off the bat, there's Lyle Thompson. Bryce Wasserman. Uh, he just gets his hands freeze and just rips that ball far side. Welcome to Pro Lacrosse Talk, the voice of Pro Lacrosse. I'm Hutton. He's Adam. Together, we're bringing you interviews with your favorite players and coaches, as well as news from all four professional lacrosse leagues. I'm here with Bryce Wasserman, one of the newest members of the Boston Cannons, 2019 MLL All-Star, as we like to call him, Agent 002. Bryce, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Pumped to be here. Absolutely. No, uh, we we appreciate you coming on, you know, especially kind of off the heels of of that big trade that sent you to the Cannons. But we want to kind of, you know, start off where you got started in your lacrosse career uh, in South Lake, Texas. Uh, Tell me when you first started playing lacrosse and what drew you to the sport. Yeah, so it's a funny story. You know, my dad didn't play lacrosse. None of my brothers did. I, I'm the oldest of, of three brothers. So um, no one really like put a stick in my hands at a young age. Um, it's funny. I actually got into the sport because the baseball practice field in my town, South Lake, Texas, is literally shares a fence with the lacrosse practice field. So one day, sixth grade, I'm sitting in right field, bored out of my mind, take a, <laughs> take a peek over the fence, and I saw lacrosse going on. You know, I sat there and watched it for a little bit and came home, told my parents, like, hey, um, that looks like a lot more fun. I think I want to try lacrosse. And then went to my first practice like the next week and never looked back. No, that's awesome. And, uh, and your dad played uh, football at Towson, correct? So you kind of had that athletic genes in your, your family, correct? I don't know if I'd call him athletic, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, that, that Towson connection definitely helped me get um, get my start in lacrosse because my dad knew a few buddies from college and then obviously reached back out to school and they actually sent me a box of like my first gear it was actually from Towson. They, uh, they sent me a little box because my dad was like, yeah, I have no idea what's going on, but I know some guys that played up at Towson, so they, they helped me get my start, which was awesome. That's awesome. And when did your dad attend Towson? I'm just wondering because I have actually some uncles and uh, actually Adam, who can't be on with us today, his uh, father-in-law, my uncle, Jerry, played at Towson. Yeah, he was. So he was 83 to 87. I, yeah, that, that's four years. Yeah, so 83 to 87 was when he was there playing football with uh, Dave Meggett, all, all those legends. So yeah, he... 83 to 87 was his years. All right, I'll have to definitely link up with my uncle and see uh, if, if he knew. Uh, there, I'm sure there's a connection there. But uh, going off of that, how was it kind of being recruited to, to Monmouth University, um, being from Texas? You know, did you have any struggles with, you know, going through the recruiting process, being from, you know, not what's not considered a hotbed in lacrosse? Yeah, so I, I, I'd say my struggles were twofold because – one, I was coming from Texas, which was obviously a non-hotbed area, especially at that time back in like 2012, 2013 when I was getting recruited. Uh, so that definitely made it tough, you know, kind of getting exposure to coaches and having people believe my abilities. But then I'd say the second fold issue with my recruiting was I honestly wasn't that great in high school. Um, mm-hmm. I loved the game, worked at it every day. I had I had a decent stick, had some good stick skills, was good at shooting. But I was just a late bloomer, you know, like right now I'm 6'3". I, my sophomore year of high school, I think I was like 5'9", 5'10". Okay. Yeah, so I, I was a late bloomer in terms of like my my athletic ability, which uh, definitely held me back in my game. So that I'd say that that also led to some struggles getting some exposure to some college coaches. But um, I, I'd say I finally turned the corner like that summer going into my junior year which was very, very late in the process at that point. I mean, as everyone mm. remembers, I mean, like, there are guys in my grade that were, that was the day and age of kids committing, going to their freshman year, you know, so all yeah. those 
all those blue chip schools had their had their recruiting classes filled by the time that I even got good at lacrosse, you know, like mm-hmm. heading into my juniors. But, it, you know, that never really affected me. I wasn't like, oh, I want to go to Notre Dame or I'm not playing lacrosse. I just wanted to play at the next level. You know, distance was never really a factor to me because I knew I was going to have to get on a plane to go to college anyway if I wanted to play. So um, my my three options were Monmouth, Furman and Towson. Uh, Towson, obviously, that, that connection I had with my dad um, definitely mm-hmm. helped me out. And I was always kind of on their radar. And then um, Monmouth and Furman were the two new programs at that time. They had they had actually never even played a game by the time that they had offered me my scholarship offers. So um, I think I made that decision to Monmouth like around Thanksgiving time my junior year, which, like I said, was was incredibly late. But, you know, I was impressed with Coach Fisher, Coach Geese and Coach Mack and the culture they were building up in Monmouth and Everyone who's been to Monmouth knows how how incredible that campus is, you know, half mile from the beach. And, mm-hmm. and you know what, like the the package that they were selling, kind of being able to to start a team was something that no one else in the country besides Furman could offer at that point, you know. So so that was something that really intrigued me and honestly just kind of like followed my path, you know, from like being the first one in my family to play the game, uh, being the first one of the first ones for my high school to go play in college, like just kind of like continuing that uh that theme of being one of the first to do something you know so that was something that really drew me to Monmouth was the opportunity to start the team yeah no for sure and you actually you mentioned a guy uh coach Geeson uh I don't know if you know this he was a head coach of DeSales University where um I actually attended so there's a little connection there I was I think a junior in high school right when he left so it was really early on in my recruiting process I actually never met coach Geeson but a lot of the guys that I played with um, when I was a freshman and sophomore, played under him. Um, so there is that connection there, and I've heard only you know all but good things from Coach Geeson, and you know obviously the program that he kind of um, had going at DeSales continued on uh, even after he was gone. So uh, definitely a, a name that um, you know doesn't surprise me that he drew drew you to that program. Yeah, he's he's an evil genius when it comes to defense. We we were very lucky to have him at Monmouth. No, for sure. And while you were at Monmouth, uh, you know, you became the all-time leader in goals with 99, game-winning goals with 9, hat-tricks with 14. I know you guys were a relatively new program, but, you know, you you're still set the bar really, really high. Uh, assists with 50 and then overall points with 149. How did you elevate your game once you got to college? Yeah, I, I mean, I think it was kind of that mentality that I gained when I first picked up a stick and all the way through high school and then going into college. You know, I was never... I was never the one that was like praised for my abilities, you know. I just always kind of kept my nose to the grindstone, kept working. When I finally did start getting some success in college, I had already had kind of established that that mentality in my brain that like it still wasn't good enough and there was still a next level to get to, you know. And and it was kind of like that chip on my shoulder too, you know. Coming from Texas, no one really believed in me and then showing up at Monmouth, no one really believed in Monmouth, you know. So so I think mm-hmm. it was kind of that that like being counted out was um was something that definitely motivated me too and I mean all the guys at Monmouth were awesome. We, we all kind of bought into the, I, I guess the ideals that that coach set in us that like we were setting the footsteps for other kids to follow. You know, like you show up at at Duke and you show up at all these schools and it's like, oh, I want to follow in the footsteps that Deemer Class, Miles Jones, Jordan Wolf set. Mm-hmm. You know, like we had the opportunity to be those footsteps. You know, so that ten years when kids get recruited to Monmouth, they can be like, oh, I want to follow in that 2017 team's footsteps when. They made the NCAA tournament, like top 20 ranking, all that kind of stuff. So I think that that was a really big motivating factor, not only for me, but for the whole team to just kind of like lay those those foundations and those footsteps for the next mom of kids for the next 20, 30 years to follow. 
Yeah, no, that's awesome. And, you know, you, you ended up becoming, you know, on top of that, the first Monmouth player drafted in the MLL. Uh, you were sec- selected by the Denver Outlaws in 2018 um, before eventually being released by the Outlaws and found your way onto the Ohio Machine um, where you spent your rookie season. Talk to me through, you know, getting drafted and then, you know, kind of getting released by the Outlaws, finally finding yourself on the machine and, you know, your rookie season. What kind of helped you make that jump to the pros? Yeah, so I mean, like getting into all that, you know, even going off of what I was talking about being from Texas and going to Monmouth, like lacrosse and especially pro lacrosse is a gentleman's club. You know, it's like a it's like a country club that I never thought that I would ever be a part of, you know, Mm -hmm. just because like always being counted out the whole way through, you know, so it was never even a thought to me that I would even be involved in it. Obviously, like I watched pro lacrosse i was on the field at bayhawks games like the first year that i had a stick in my hands you know um Mm -hmm. because uh coach natalin who's the coach of towson played for the bayhawks but regardless like i was at bayhawks games year one of me loving lacrosse you know so but just in my brain it was just this gentleman's club you know i didn't go to duke i didn't go to insert school here i wasn't going to go to the pros like college is it for me i've got to give everything i have and i think that kind of fueled me and then when it finally came around to my senior year and I started getting calls from all these coaches. It was, it was pretty surreal. You know, they call and they ask what your, what your plans are, jobs, mm-hmm. et cetera. So, um, to see if you're available to play. And, uh, I started getting those phone calls and it was, it was pretty crazy to me, you know, cause that was always my mentality. That was just like, this wasn't meant for me, you know? And so once I started getting those calls, um, it, it kind of got me pretty pumped up to be a part of it. Like, cause then it was just another, you know, like another reset, like, I'm counted out being from Texas, make it to college. Mm-hmm. I'm counted out because I'm at Monmouth, make it to the pros, count out again, you know. So, um, so it was pre- it was pretty exciting. And then I watched the whole draft all the way through the second to last pick when I got when my name got called, and it was it was a surreal feeling because you know I I was finally included in this like mythical gentleman's club that was pro mm-hmm. lacrosse, and like yeah. I, I I couldn't have been more excited, you know, just like coming from where I come from. Texas to Monmouth and then cracking into the likes of, you know, like Kyle Harrison, Tom Trier, insert name here, you know, like all those guys. So get the call from Denver. Um, they drafted me. Uh, Monmouth Fishers are season up in May. So did North Carolina. Um, the Outlaws drafted me and Chris Cloutier mm-hmm. um, in that in that same draft. So I get the phone call from Tony Seaman and he says that they're going to dress Cluch first, see how he plays. And then I would get my shot. And of course, he goes out to Denver and has six goals in his opening game. Yeah. So okay. That, okay. Well, <laughs> I got my fingers crossed for something to happen where I get the phone call to go out there, you know, and I mean, I was kind of stuck in the fate that a lot of guys in the pro lacrosse ranks are stuck in. And it's just, a, it's just the nature of the beast. You know, I'm sitting on my couch working out at home, um, just kind of waiting on a phone call that was never going to come. Mm-hmm. And Thankfully, though, that was the summer with the World Games back in 2018, uh, the World Games in Israel. Yep. So I had the and the MLL had games that weekend of the World Games. So the guys who were on the world teams were going to miss. So I had had that game marked on my calendar. Um, finally, give Coach Seaman a call. I was like, Coach, um, World Games are coming up. I know you're losing some offensive firepower. I'm ready. I stayed ready. And he kind of told me, like, listen, we're going to dress some local Denver guys. I'm really sorry about this. They're just going to be place fillers until our guys get back. 
that must have kind of been devastating though for for you to hear right because you know you've been working you're you're waiting for that shot you, you said you marked it on your calendar and then to kind of get that call like what was going through your head after that oh I was devastated you know because it was just another just like beat down like this is this isn't for you Bryce you didn't you don't have this pedigree you're never going to be a part of it was essentially how I felt and you know it, it kind of it pissed me off a little bit so I remember I hung up the phone with him kind of just sat down just sulked like put my head in my chest sat there just and then I just kind of got angry you know and I literally called him back five minutes later mm-hmm. I said coach I respect your decision um but I want to play in this league I will do whatever it takes I appreciate you drafting me and giving me that opportunity but please release me I want to go find my shot somewhere else there will be other teams that need help this weekend I want to go find who needs help and wow. I mean thankfully thankfully coach Seaman did because he absolutely did not have to release me you know he could mm-hmm. like, oh, relax. we'll get you out here eventually whatever but no he, he was like okay um I, I respect that released me and then I made phone calls to everybody else in the league just chopped up a highlight tape from college in case they hadn't scouted me and just kind of send it back out to everybody hey world games are coming up if you're missing an O guy sign me like you will not regret it mm-hmm. and wow, that's um, awesome so then I get the phone call from Coach Davis um, saying that the machine had the number one pick or not the pick, number one option in the waivers that week and that they were going to sign me. That was incredible. And it was kind of just like bang, bang, like we're signing you, pack your stuff. You're coming to Ohio on Friday. Mm-hmm. So I go out to Ohio, um, but I actually had like a, uh, like a cancer scare that week on Wednesday. Oh, I was not aware. Wow. Yeah, I, I did a video with FCA about it. Um, so I had had, like, I slipped a disc in my back, went back for my follow-up before I got to Ohio. They saw, like, a lump, and I guess it turned out to be a blood clot. But on Wednesday, I'm, like, at an oncologist's office getting bone scans, like, the whole, literally top to bottom of my body. They're like, yeah, um, we can't find anything else, but that doesn't look good. You should not play this weekend. Oh my gosh. So that that was Wednesday, which was 48 hours before the flight. Didn't really sleep that night. And then thank, thankfully, um, on Thursday that week, I made the decision to go. Friday, I'm at the airport getting ready to go to Ohio. And a family friend who's a doctor called. And he was like, yeah, we looked at your stuff again. It's a blood clot. You're fine. Go get after it this weekend. Like, it's your time, you know? So, it, but it... I mean, it's pretty crazy. Like we, I talked to the family, and like I made that decision to go mm-hmm. before I knew that because it just like meant that much to me. And and I'm not like I'm not. I've never told that story like for pity or anything. I know that there's a hundred guys right now that if they got told the same thing, they would go play pro lacrosse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're just hungry for their shot, you know. So like, yeah, and you didn't want to miss it. Right, and I I think that that's what's what's great about the pro game is that you know you do it because you love the game, and and I I'm fully confident there's a hundred guys that would have done the same thing. But um, so getting back into that first game in Ohio, you know, that locker room was loaded with all the all the veterans. You, you got Kyle Harrison, Tom Schreiber, Peter Baum, Scott Rogers. The list goes on and on. You know, mm-hmm. all these veterans been in the league. For years, um, show up in my first practice so nervous, just absolutely like jacked up with energy. Get out there, had a good practice, and Scott Rogers actually pulled me aside for Friday practice. He's like, "Listen, man, I know you come from Monmouth, like, you belong here." 
And that was just like the best feeling ever, you know, like, cause he had been around the game for, for years at that point and been mm-hmm. in the pro ranks ever since college and was a stud in college. And he was a part of that gentleman's club, you know, that I referenced before. So, yeah, yeah. So to have like one of them pull me aside and say, you're in this, like you belong here was the best feeling ever, you know? So I slept like a rock that night, got up the next day for the game, um, played well. We ended up losing, um, after the game, Coach Davis pulls me aside and says that he's going to bring me back out for the Thursday night game. And came back, had a breakout game, had a hat trick or something like that. And then I was in the lineup for the very last game. So I had only played in three games, played well in that last game out in Boston. Um, so, yeah, that, that was my rookie season. It was kind of a whirlwind. But um, just like I remember that conversation with Scott Rogers, you know, when he was like, dude, you're you belong here. You're a part of this now. So, I mean, that was what took the weight off my shoulders and just let me go play. Like I was back at Monmouth, you know? Yeah, no, that's awesome. I mean, that's an incredible story and it's amazing too. It's just a testament, I guess, to, you know, kind of your, your work ethic and your drive to play at the professional level. And, um, you know, we're going to get in a little bit about returning to your home state of Texas and playing for the Rathers, but I think you could kind of see that in how you played in, you know, an all-star season last season. Um, but, you know, now that I've mentioned it, uh, you know, how was it then in 2019 going to the Dallas Rattlers, playing in your home state of Texas um, and, you know, playing in front of, you know, family and friends? Right. It was it was incredible. And I mean, I had an awesome time in Ohio and was ready to play there for the rest of my career, you know, with Coach Davis and all them. So it was a mm-hmm. shame that it was a shame that that didn't work out. But as soon as as soon as I got the news that the machine weren't going to be around anymore, I knew that I needed to go play in Dallas um, mm-hmm. in the star, you know, the whole family there, all my friends from high school, my club coaches, everyone that had supported me from day one, being able to kind of see me at, at the pinnacle of the sport and the professional ranks. It was, it was so special to me. And that's honestly what, what motivated me a lot in that off season leading up to that year. You know, I wasn't going to look back and go, oh, I, I had a few good games. I I'll be good next year it was coming back home to Dallas was really what motivated me to work even harder than I had before. Because mm-hmm. like I said, at Monmouth, you know, we worked so hard cause we wanted to be the footsteps for people to follow going back home to Dallas was kind of the same thing. Like I, we, the star is 20 minutes from where I grew up, grew up, like where I picked up my first stick. Yeah, wow. There are kids wearing my high school's t-shirt in the stands and being able to be on that field and have, a kid pointed at me and say, I can do that one day was my biggest motivating factor, you know, because it was it was so far outside my mind when I was playing in sixth grade and high school and even in college, you know. So, like, if I would have had the Dallas Rattlers here and there was a kid from Southlake on the field and I would have been able to look at him and be like, this is possible, like, I can make it there. That was really what motivated me was to kind of give the kids from this Dallas area something something to look up to and aspire to be and show them that it is possible. Like you, you can do it if you put your mind to it. So that was, that was my biggest motivating factor. And then, you know, like got all my friends in the front row, like drinking beers, having fun at the games. That was a blast having my family there. And all my old club coaches. Yeah. I mean, it, it was a dream come true. And I mean, you're playing on the star, you got the Dallas Cowboys star in the middle of the field. It was, it was incredible. Yeah, and you're you're a Cowboys fan too, aren't you? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, so that that must have been awesome to to play in that type of venue. Oh, um, insane. And, and then you know, unfortunately, the, the Rattlers, you know, you guys didn't get off to 
a good start. You went 0 and 7 despite, you know, some close losses um and you looked all but out of contention. Um but I, I think it's just a testament to, you know, you and your teammates and coach Warder's resolve in that you guys still never quit. You won 6 straight uh before losing unfortunately back-to-back one-goal games that uh ended up, you know, ending your playoff hopes, but uh talk me through kind of, you know, going 0-7, being doubted, and then you guys turn it around, and as you said, you know, don't let the rats get hot. Like, talk to me through how that kind of came about. Yeah, so, I mean, obviously we had a tough start, but when we would look back at all those games, Coach would break down the film and we would talk about it as a team, it was all on us. And, I mean, that doesn't that really doesn't happen much in the pro game when you can look at yourself in the mirror and say, like, we lost that. You know, usually it's like, Oh, Lyle Thompson had seven goals today. You can't really, can't really stop that. Mm-hmm. So we're go- we're gonna lose the game if he has seven goals. But all those seven losses, we could point to specific things. We didn't do this well. We didn't do this well. We need to improve. And so that and it was a it was a big growing process because you know on that team besides Donnie Moss and Mike Laser, we didn't have one guy with more than three years of experience in the league. Mm-hmm. So and and it's tough to get young guys to kind of play together as a team hoping to win a championship and but we we kept building on each week you know like the thing that we messed up in week one we didn't mess up in week two and so on and so forth and I remember we went out to Denver and coach Warder actually gave us a speech about a rats team from like 2008 or 9 or 10 or something like that mm-hmm. in our same spot they were like 0 and 7 or 1 and 7 went out to Denver who was undefeated in first place just like this Denver team was in first place and he gives this big pump up speech that like we're a better team than they were. We can do this kind of thing. And it was our turn to kind of get hot. And so we, uh, we had a great game out there in Denver, took it to them, won that game. And then the, the rats getting hot thing just kind of came as a joke. You know, we were one in seven and we just kind of kept telling everyone to leave. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't let the rats get hot. We're coming. We're coming. Yeah, kinda, no, absolutely. It, it kind of started as a joke. And then, you know, we rattle off like four straight wins. We're like, Oh my God, don't actually let the rats get hot. This is, this is so much fun, you know? So, so that was that was kind of where that was born, and I think we just all started playing cohesively as a unit. I mean, we had some roster changes. Coach Warder made some big moves that um, that really bolstered our team. You know, the addition of Bradley Voigt jump-started our offense so much. I mean, he may not show up in the stat sheet as much as he should, mm-hmm. but the havoc that he causes on the field in terms of, like, I couldn't get loose in those first six games because teams were able to slide. But when you've got Bradley Voigt on the field, teams don't slide because they don't want to leave him with his hands free, you know. So that frees up me to score a goal when he he doesn't get a point for it, but he should get an assist because teams are so worried about him. And then yeah. you add Adam Osika, who's an incredible two-way midi, tough as nails. You We added Jake Seau, who ran D-mid in transition for us, who's a stud, you know. So And then the addition of Sean Scannoni about four or five games in just absolutely jump-started that defense. He turned out to be goalie of the year his rookie season, which is absolutely incredible. So it was, those moves coupled with just like a, a mentality change, a little maturity phase for the Rats, and um, mm-hmm. then the Rats got hot, you know, and, and it's too bad that we came up short. But, I mean, we finished those last nine games 7-2, and two, so that was, that was just a testament to that team and the resolve. 
Yeah, absolutely. No, and you guys were you were fun to watch. I mean, I remember me and Adam. You know, we, we when we started the podcast, we were um, we were just like, yeah. I mean, the rather I think they're done. Like you know, and then you guys round off that one win, and we're like, okay, I still can't pick them yet or whatever. Two wins. I think it took us by the, the third or fourth win before I'm like, okay, maybe I will pick them in the the pick them this week. You know, so even uh, we doubted you, but you know, you could just tell that, like you said, you guys were getting better you weren't making as many mistakes you were in close games um and you know they started to just go your way and I think you're you hit the nail on the head too with some of those additions I mean uh Bradley Voigt you couldn't have asked for I, I think that was his first goal uh, of his MLL debut the around the world goal you couldn't have asked for a prettier uh first goal yeah um, insane. so yeah you know you guys were a lot of fun to watch it's a you know it's a shame that um uh, with what happened with the Dallas folding and now you know going to Connecticut um but uh yeah I, I think you guys for what you guys started out with, going 0 and 7, put on a, a magical run that I, I think w- won't be forgotten too easily. That brings me to your next point in your career. You know, the, the Rattlers are ceasing operations. The the team itself has moved to Connecticut to become the Hammerheads. Um, you, however, were recently traded to the Cannons in exchange for Will Sands. Um, how excited are you to join Coach Quirk and the Cannons in 2020? Yeah, Coach Quirk is a guy who I've had a relationship with ever since I got into the league. Um, he's been nothing but great, just not even for the Cannons, but for for just Team MLL in general, you know. So mm-hmm. I'm super excited to play for him. He's a super energetic, positive guy. Um, it's too bad that we won't be back in Dallas. I mean, honestly, I'm starting to feel like the kiss of death at this point <laughs> to all these franchises. But um, yeah, the the trade to, to Boston, obviously, I'll miss all those guys on the now Hammerheads a ton. They're... They became like brothers to me over that summer. But jumping over to the Boston Cannons, I mean, I was pumped up to play for Boston. They do a great job um, just of hosting the guys. And uh, they're really the the class of the league in that sense. So I was pumped up to go be in Boston regardless. And then after my trade, a couple hours later, when all the news started coming through about Randy Sots and Brian Cole, I mean, I just started getting so excited about thinking about being on that offense. I mean, mm-hmm. you list off the guys we've got it. Randy Stotts, Mark Cockerton, me, Challen Rogers, Kyle Jackson, and um, some Brian Cole. You look at that starting six, and I mean, I can't think of any. I mean, who do you cover? You know, who do you pull on that midfield? I mean, mm-hmm. who gets the number one pull at the attack? I mean, it. All those ideas just started going through my head, and they just got me super pumped up to to get out to Boston. I mean, that's a that's an offense that can score twenty points a game. Um, the only issue is there's only one ball at that point you know so so that just got me super pumped up i actually just got back from boston this morning i uh, took a quick trip up there for spring break hung out with nick morocco hung out with coach quirk um and had some dinner and just talked about the summer coming up did some media stuff with the cannons and it, it's a great vibe up there and i'm really excited to be part of the team and i can't i can't wait till training camp honestly we got like two months now yeah, no, I mean, I think you guys are, are looking like, you know, the the team to beat right now. You, you, like you said, you, they didn't lose too many pieces um, in free agency. And then, you know, you add a guy like uh, Randy Stotts and Brian Cole, and you already got Mark Cockerton there who we talked to, and, you know, all-star goaltender Nick Morocco who we also talked to. Um, you guys are going to be scary next season for sure. Um, so I think Coach Quirk put together a, a nice team uh, for this 2020 season. But uh, you, you mentioned all those guys. So here's a twofold question, I guess. How have you been preparing for the upcoming season? And then which of your new Cannons teammates are you kind of excited to play with and have you connected with since the trade? 
Uh, so the first question, how I've been getting ready. So I'm down in law school at Miami, which has been incredible because the weather's been nice. So mm-hmm. um, I, but I've been playing some some games. There's there's some games that go on down in South Florida with some really good talent. Um, there's actually some a few current pro guys down there that play in the little Florida lacrosse circuit um, in the off season, and then I also. I'm doing some training work with the guy who helps the Miami Hurricanes football team get ready for the NFL Combine. Oh wow, it's awesome! So I've been work. Yeah, I've been working a lot more on explosive kind of kind of quick twitch movements. Last year, I was I was in shape, but I wouldn't say I was quick um, until the end of the season, which kind of changed my game a little bit. Um, I didn't play that well at the beginning of the season because I was still kind of playing like I was in college, you know overcarrying kind of things and mm-hmm. when I kind of settled down and started playing closer to the crease you know like a more Rob Pinnell style or Steel Stanwick you know kind of tiptoeing the crease and working like that um like quick twitch kind of quick moves at x that was when I started playing really well in that second half of the season so that's why I kind of wanted to emphasize during this offseason was just being explosive as I can be and then obviously shooting after my workouts and all that um just getting ready I mean I honestly need to start watching some NLL games to get ready for this season with that roster that we've yeah, got. Yeah, no. So, so I think that the, I need to add that to my resume. But um, as far as being in contact with the guys, we've got the Canons group chat going. Um, I've been really close with Nick Morocco since we came into the league together in 2018. Uh, so he's he's one of my closer friends in the team. And then, I mean, I met a bunch of those guys at All-Star Weekend, you know, Fahey, Pugel, um Cockerton, all those guys, and then uh, just from playing against them, Scott Hooper covered me a few times. So yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. I I reached out to Randy and Brian just saying that I was pumped, and they said they were pumped. So I think that we've we've got some team bonding to do over training camp weekend, but it should be a ton of fun. Yeah, no, for sure, and yeah, and, and those guys, um, you know, they bring that chemistry too. Um, you know, being being on the swarm together, but uh, yeah, no, it's gonna be an exciting MLL season. Um, that kind of wraps up my main questions, Bryce, but we're going to take a quick break, hear a word from our sponsor, and then we'll go into our five and five questions. Sounds good. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Today's show is being brought to you in part by Stitcher Premium. You can use Stitcher Premium to listen to shows ad-free such as Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend, My Favorite Murder, Wolverine the Lost Trail, or our favorite, The Fantasy Footballers. For only $4.99 a month or $34.99 a year, you get access to Stitcher Originals, bonus episodes, and comedy albums. Better yet, if you go over to stitcher.com premium and use the promo code lacrosse today, you can get one month free. So head on over to Stitcher, sign up, and get your free trial today. All right, so welcome back. Now it's time to do our five and five questions. Uh, we'll start off with the lacrosse questions. Uh, number one I'll have is uh, what are some pregame superstitions or routines that you have? So I retape my stick before practice on Saturdays. Uh, yeah, and I'd say that's, that's really my only superstition. I usually I ate Jimmy John's before the Rattlers games this summer, but I guess I'll have to, I'll have to change that up depending on the local cuisine in Boston. 
I'm sure you can find a good, uh, you know, sub spot up in uh, up in Boston for sure. Uh, number two, who was your favorite lacrosse player to watch when growing up? Uh, Bugs Combs. I know that might be an obscure answer. He was a lefty attackman for the the Bayhawks for uh, seven or eight years, I think. Two time All American at Maryland, and his dad was actually my dad's defensive coordinator at Towson. And so Bugs was always like my idol growing up. I watched all of his highlight videos. My the sidearm bounce shot that I do, Bugs taught me that like in the backyard with me. So so I, Bugs Combs is my my childhood hero. Oh, that's awesome! No, I, I definitely uh, recognize the name um, for sure. You know, I I grew up in Northern Virginia area, and my family's from Baltimore, so I went to a few BayHawks games when I was younger. Uh, number three, who has been your toughest opponent in the MLL? Toughest cover was definitely Jesse Bernhardt. Um, I mean, he's obviously the D coordinator at Maryland, so mm-hmm. so he knows his stuff. And then beyond his knowledge of the game, he's just absolutely tenacious. I mean, he, I remember he actually told me during a game, I like did like a little ward on his stick before I took a shot, and he was like, "If you touch my stick with that free hand again, I'm taking it off." I was like, "Okay." This <laughs> is, uh, I was like, "I was like, all right, this is this is how we're doing it." Yeah, I mean, he's intense and he he gets after you, so he was definitely my toughest matchup so far. No, that's a great story. Yeah, we've talked to Jesse and Jake, um, and they're just competitors. You can just tell in their interview, you know, and I think that was instilled in them, you know, in their father, Jim Bernhardt, you know, coached football and um, coached them in lacrosse. And, um, yeah, they're, they're some of the most competitive people, I think, you know, in professional lacrosse. That's that's a funny story. It doesn't surprise me. Uh, number four, what is your current lacrosse stick set up in terms of shaft, head, and stringing? I'm figuring that out right now. You know, I've been testing out some different stuff. I used True last summer. Okay. I uh, just got a shipment of Maverick. So I, I've been testing out some things. So I'll have to see what, what I use in training camp. I'll have to follow back up with you. Oh, yeah, for sure. And maybe we can, you know, um, post it on our social media channels and tell, you know, the, the young athletes out there what uh, Agent 002 is rocking, uh, what his weapon of choice is. So. Right. Uh, number five, what has been your favorite venue to play lacrosse at? I think I might know the answer to this one, but the the star was incredible. I think that being my hometown makes it number one, and then close, close second would be Mile High Stadium out in Denver. That's awesome. Yeah, no, I figured it would be the star and Mile High. I tell you, if we we took a tally of how many people say Mile High, and you know, it's no surprise, you know, it's a great venue, but uh, that's always at the top of people's list. Right. All right, so that's the lacrosse questions. Now we'll go into the off-the-field questions. Uh, you mentioned you're in law school at University of Miami. Uh, so number one is, what's the toughest part of being in law school? I, I'd say it's just it's a different kind of school, you know. It's not study this for two weeks, take a test. Study this for two weeks, take a test. It just all kind of builds on each other, like building blocks. Mm-hmm. And you have to stay on top of your game. And then we literally only have one exam per class at the end of the year. So I, I think it's kind of, one, staying on your work and two, uh, just kind of building the, you call it an outline in law school, but really is essentially it's just like the building blocks of how all the, the law and statutes and all that stack up on top of each other. Mm-hmm. And then you kind of have to keep that all organized in your brain or for that final test at the end of the year. Yeah, no, it definitely sounds like a, a lot. I don't envy you at all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, number two, what are some hobbies or activities that you enjoy doing when you're not on the lacrosse field? Yeah, I really like to golf. Um, I like how it, it takes a long time, honestly, and it's a, it's a de-stressor. Um, and then just being in Miami, you know, we'll just shoot down to the beach for a little bit, hang out, uh, rent some jet skis and get out there. So I'd say that's what I do in my free time. Oh, that sounds like an awesome time. <laughs> <laughs> Number three, who is a non-lacrosse athlete that you think would excel in the lacrosse field? 
Wow. Um, not on the cross. I want to say Odell. Odell Beckham Jr. Okay, yeah, he, no, for sure. He's he's clearly got great hands with all those those one-handed catches that he does. So he's got some some hand-eye. And then, I mean, he's one of the quickest dudes in the league. So, yeah, I think he'd, he'd be a good little, a good midfielder. No, I think so too. Yeah, that's definitely one. That's not one that has been suggested most recently either. So yeah, I think that's a it's a good name. Nice. Usually we we we've been interviewing quite a few NLL guys recently, so a lot of them have been hockey comparisons and a few basketball here and there. Um, but yeah, I like to I like to hear a, a football name. I definitely think Odell uh, would have would have the skill set for sure to play lacrosse. Uh, number four, what is your favorite meal, and do you prefer to dine out, take out, or cook at home? Oh, I prefer to dine out for sure. My favorite meal, I mean, I love a good steak, but if I had to pick an actual restaurant, it would be Gianni's, this pizza place up at Monmouth. Okay. They do the, they do this chicken vodka wrap. Oh, interesting. So just breaded chicken chopped up and just smothered in vodka sauce inside a wheat wrap. Oh, I think it, I think I ate that like two or three times a week, if I'm being honest. Oh, that's awesome. I'll have to see if I can swing by. So I'm I'm in North Jersey right now, um, right outside the city, but my fiance's family lives in Brick, so not too far from Monmouth. Yes, yeah, so right uh, there. So when yeah, while well, on my way down there, I'll definitely have to check that spot out. Yeah, I, I'm telling you, you will not regret it. All right, I'll, I'll check it out and I'll let you know. Um, number five, what's a book that you've read or a podcast that you're listening to that you'd recommend to a teammate or a friend? One of the favorite books I've ever read was Drew Brees' book. I'm actually looking at it on my bookshelf right now. Uh, it's called Coming Back Stronger by Drew, Drew Brees. That was one of my favorite reads. just kind of talks about his story of getting to the NFL, and it, it kind of related to, to me and my story. You know, he small guy, short, short in stature, late bloomer, went to Purdue, not a powerhouse football school. So I related a lot to it. I think that's why I liked it. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I, I, I've never read that book. I'll have to check it out, but I, I've listened to his story. Um, I think he was on, I think it was on Paul Rabel's Suiting Up podcast a few years ago that I first listened to him. But um, I, I love him as an athlete. I just love, you know, his mentality and the fact that he's still performing at such a high level at his age is incredible. I'm hoping he, I'm a Ravens fan, but if I had to pick a, another team that I really hope wins another Super Bowl, it's, it's Drew Brees with the Saints. Uh, they've gotten so close and it seems like they've, you know, whether it's the refs or just heartbreaking losses, uh, have not had the best luck these past three years. But That's what I was gonna say it might be the refs on that one. Yeah, definitely the definitely two years ago with the Rams game, uh, for sure. Um, but that wraps up our five and five. Uh, the final question we use, the final question we like to ask our guests uh, is, what is some advice that you have for a young athlete looking to one day play lacrosse professionally? I'd say the one advice that I give is don't compare yourself to anyone else. Uh, I think that that's what what kind of helped me in, in my path, you know, you, you get so caught up in comparing yourself to other people, whether it comes to stats or if you're a younger kid, what club team they play on, you know, it, just focus on you. Don't worry about what other people are doing. Don't compare yourself to all the other kids in your town or at your school. Just try to become the best version of you that you can be and it'll pay off. All right. I love it. No, I think that's, that's good for, there's so many, you know, players out there that try to emulate their, their favorite player, which is important, but to kind of know that, you know, you're a unique athlete yourself and to kind of, you know, take your own game into your own hands and, you know, know that you're, there's only one of you out there. I think that's actually uh, some really great advice. I appreciate it. Um, well, this has been great, Bryce. Really appreciate you coming on. Uh, remind people where they can find you on social media. 
Yeah, so I on Twitter I'm at Bryce Wasserman, Instagram Bryce Wasserman two. Okay, awesome. Uh, we'll definitely uh, give Bryce a follow if you guys don't already. Um, and Bryce, you know, thank you so much for joining us today. Best of luck as you prepare, you know, for this season with the Cannons. Yeah, thanks for having me. Hopefully, we can talk again after we win a championship. Today's show is being brought to you in part by Stitcher Premium. You can use Stitcher Premium to listen to shows ad-free such as Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend, My Favorite Murder, Wolverine the Lost Trail, or our favorite, The Fantasy Footballers. For only $4.99 a month or $34.99 a year, you get access to Stitcher Originals, bonus episodes, and comedy albums. Better yet, if you go over to stitcher.com premium and use the promo code lacrosse today, you can get one month free. So head on over to Stitcher, sign up, and get your free trial today.